Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Through Nick and Thin. The podcast where we watch every Nicolas Cage movie in almost chronological order so that you don't have to. I'm your host. My name is Steve. Joining me, as always, is, oh, Captain, my captain, the girl of my dreams... Hannah, Hannah, how you doing this week? I'm feeling like this podcast is my ideal dream scenario. See, this is my paralysis nightmare monster. <laughs> this podcast that See, we've cursed I ourselves to. do way less work than yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah, so we watched the podcast. Movie. Sorry. <laughs> that, yeah, that, that's where my brain is these days. We watched the movie together. We do. Then we talk about it. And then I, yeah. I often have to rewatch the movie to enter clips. So it's And you have like, to re-listen to us right. through the editing process. But here so, we are and we're doing it. Happy Thanksgiving, Steve. Oh, happy I'm Thanksgiving. thankful for you and I'm thankful for our listeners. I am thankful and for, for our listeners. Thankful for Nicolas Cage. I am thankful for Nicolas Cage for giving us a weird hobby and something to talk about at cocktail parties. Yes, people like to ask us about this, which can you blame them? No, certainly can't. So let's jump right into it, Han. You clicked on this episode. Uh, I didn't do anything. No, not you. The royal you, as in our listener, uh, clicked on this episode. And so you already know we're talking about the 2023 movie Dream Scenario, which is uh, an A24 movie that came out recently. And the basic premise is that Nicolas Cage plays a somewhat average man who keeps popping up into random people's dreams all over the world. So people who have never even met him start dreaming about him, and it's very spooky. Eh, It's not that spooky, but it's a little spooky. We'll talk about it. I'm just an average man with an average life. I work from nine to five. Uh Uh-huh. Hell yeah, I pay the price. Is this a song? Um, just want to be left alone, but why do I always feel like I'm in the twilight zone? Oh my goodness. Wow. We're about a month, a month late for <laughs> Happy that Thanksgiving, reference. everyone. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Um, should we get into some of the facts, figures, behind the scenes, Trials and, and tribulations. Yes. The, please do. The data of it all. Um, dream scenario, as Steve mentioned, 2023. It has a 7.3 out of 10 on IMDb and a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. That makes it like tied for fourth or fifth best for Rotten Tomatoes that we've seen, which is kind of surprising. Now, it's the Rotten Tomatoes score that I write down, which is whatever the score is at the time of recording. Exactly. Yeah. And this movie premiered at the Toronto Film Festival in September of this year. It was released in select theaters in November, ah. and now there's going to be a full wide release on December 1st, so get your tickets. Oh, interesting. Okay, because we did have to go to a somewhat boutique theater. We didn't have to drive an hour away like no. we did for a couple of movies ago. I think no. Butcher's Crossing, maybe? Uh, perhaps. One of those pieces of junk Western movies. Um, so, like I said, this premiered at the Toronto Film Festival, and this is the 10th year in a row that Nicolas Cage has had a film at the Toronto Film Festival. 10 years in a row is actually pretty good, I feel. I don't know. I mean, he is nothing but consistent. That is true. 
The movie had a budget of $37 million, and so far at the box office, it has made $2.5 million. That's rough. That's not great. Well, they haven't done the full wide release yet, so we'll see on December 1st how that holds up. Try to get a little bit of buzz going. And that's why we're releasing the pod before yeah, December 1st. They reached out and were like, you guys have so many followers. Yeah, we're going to get royalties on the movie. Think of the dozens of dollars we can make from your listeners. <laughs> like two to three dozen dollars. Speaking of Toronto, this movie was filmed in Toronto in October of 2022, and it wrapped in November of 2022. Okay. So pretty quick turnaround. Yeah, about a year ago. Okay. The director... Oh, so you mentioned uh, A24. So A24 is the production company. It's Nick Cage's first collab with A24. Oh, really? And, you know, for some reason, there was also a Saturn Films logo that appeared. But you like when you Google the movie, doesn't say anything about Saturn Films. I thought they were a defunct company. It's just... It's a shell company. Maybe a tax write-off or something? It, it, It has to be. Yeah. I thought that his taxes were fine. It's very confusing. Yeah, I thought so. The director, Christopher Borgley, originally wanted Adam Sandler to play the main character, but then he later approached Nick instead. Do you How think, do you think the... I'm I curious. was going to ask you the yeah. same question. I, I feel like... I know Adam Sandler has done things like Uncut Gems and several other... Uncut more gems. Uncut Gems. Uh, several other more dramatic roles. Like, I know he's capable of doing something dramatic, but I don't buy him... As like a biology professor, which is Nicolas Cage's character in this movie. I I don't know. I, I just, I don't see it. I don't see it with Adam Sandler. He feels too silly. Yeah, I think that's what it is. I think Nick Cage is the right silly amount. And I'll get into an interview that we watched, but Nick mm. explains why he's the perfect fit for this character. Oh, yes. So let's see. So the director and Nick talked a lot about Nick's character and the appearance because they didn't want people to, I guess, like initially associate the visuals of the character with Nick. And you don't. To be honest, upon first seeing a picture of him, I thought it was Bruce Willis. Yeah. Or like Paul Giamatti or something. Like he's in his Paul Giamatti era these days. (laughs) Yeah. So they changed the shape of his nose. So he has a prosthetic nose, which I did not realize. It was very good. Yeah. I did not notice that. And then Nick said that if they're changing his appearance, so he had his head shaved already, I guess, for Butcher's Crossing. Right. They added the male pattern baldness like around the that perimeter. That halo. <laughs> and Nick said, well, if you're going to change my appearance, I should change my voice too. Because, and these are his words, I have a interesting cadence and Mojave draw. Drawl. 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 D-R-A-W-L, yeah. right? Yeah. Droll, D-R-O-L-L is... I have a Mojave boring. <laughs> I'm right? also boring. He is also Mojave um, boring. He is Mojave boring. So... Which is Vegas normal. So, you know. <laughs> it's a little bit of a trade-off. Uh, yeah, so there have been several other movies of Nicolas Cage's where he attempts a voice. Yeah, he mentions in an interview about this movie, Peggy mm-hmm. Sue Got Married, right. which is what this voice, I would say, most reminds me of. It is yes. slightly less offensive. Yes, I think that after five to ten tries at this voice, I feel like he finally nailed it in this movie. 
I will say, though, it was jarring at first. Like, sure. he opened his mouth and I was like, no way. I have to sit through th- whatever two hours of this voice. Oh, that's but interesting. I think it pretty quickly was fine with me. Yeah, I settled into it immediately. So for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, Nicholas Cage's typical voice is someone like this. It is that. It's the but perfect impression. In Peggy Sue and G Force and Army G-force. of One, yeah, I, you the know, Giddy Pig Force, the Giddy Pig Force of like Giddy Pig and Hamster Special Agents who like get adopted or some shit. Doesn't matter. So that in Army of One and probably others that I'm forgetting, he does kind of this like voice, like it's little. Oh, oh my goodness, goo, goo. It's like that, but it's a still a little character that he. Yeah, but yeah, he still has the little bit of Nicolas Cage underneath it, typically. Yeah. So, I think he nailed it. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Move on then, Han. We're moving on. Nick Nick speaks very highly of this movie. I thought you were about to say himself. Well. Yeah. (laughs) Because he says this is the perfect Nicolas Cage movie. I feel like he said this a million times. No, he's a broken record. This uh, oh my God. He's like, Except he's not about something that I'm going to share with okay, you. Okay, please do. So he said this may be the best movie he's ever made. The director is also the editor. So he thinks that like the rhythm and the cadence and everything fits together in such a way that's so different than most other movies that he calls this a masterpiece. Those are his words. I don't know that I would call this a masterpiece, but it's a fun and interesting film. He thinks it's a Nick Cage masterpiece. I don't think it is. No. I think... I think he's good. I think um, Bearable Weight is a Nick Cage masterpiece. Right. That is Nick Cage all over. That is Nick Cage for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I also think Renfield might be a Nicolas Cage masterpiece. He's not the star of that, though. He steals... He does show. steal. He does steal the show. Anyway, back to this though. He in this. Oh my god! How do I explain this? In in this interview that he did, he said a couple times that being in this movie was a lot like no acting, please. Like that's what he kept saying, and the way he described that. <laughs> I can so see him saying that. That just broke my brain. He said it like three times in this interview, oh and the way he described that was that. I guess like when actors have had similar life experiences to their characters, it feels less acty. Right. And there's a particular scene, which we'll get to that could be very acty. Okay. The computer scene. The computer. Oh, yep. Okay. Yep. And he said that approaching that scene had to be like, no acting, please. He said that he's had a very similar life experience. He may be the, to this movie. Right. He may be the first actor ever. Ever. Is what he's saying. Okay. Who woke up one day to that Nick Cage loses his shit video going viral on YouTube mm. and all the merch and all the memes. Right. And he said that this isn't why he signed up to become an actor. So he feel like, I guess that reflection back on his character, he's, he's like, mm-hmm. he's, he, that's how he's approaching the no acting, please. Right. But I don't really see, see, I mean, maybe we need to get through the movie first and then we can talk about this again so that we can 
so that this makes sense and I'm not just rambling about this so that we can speak of it like with the context of the movie. Okay. But my opinion is Nick Cage is an intentional, like he, he is intentionally doing all of these things. Right. But his character isn't. So there's no mm-hmm. comparison. That's a good point. Yeah. So his character is a very, like I said, a relatively normal man. Albeit he's not somewhat... choosing to show up in people's dreams. Right. But he's not choosing to show up in people's dreams. Nick Cage is choosing to be a raving lunatic of an actor. On screen. Yes. On the screen and the internet. <laughs> right. And so the internet's going to do with that what they will. And yeah. Yeah. So there, there are some nuances. I do understand where he's coming from. I get it. I mean, he said that like this movie let him experience those feelings more authentically than some other films that he's been able to do so like he i guess he just like felt closer to the character because of that nuance yeah i guess i can see that i don't know yeah i feel like for every other movie especially lately he's been like this is the best most master peaceful film i've ever done and this is true acting and then it's like yeah it was good man but you know i don't know was was it that good I mean, in this interview, he said that his main interest now is to just do films as personal as possible to connect to his audience. Ah, what a relief. So Can't I think wait we, to tell we you... kind of got that with Pig. Yeah. Can't wait to tell you what his next movie is. Well, I know he's filming something right now, which I'll get to in a second. Oh, okay. Um. Okay, and then here's here's the moment that broke both Steve and I when he overheard me watching this video. <laughs> yeah, this buckle, uh, strap in, folks. So if you're a longtime listener of this podcast, you'll be familiar with the phrase nouveau shamanic or nouveau shamanism. Oh, yes. Would you like to explain what it is, Steve? Sure. It's this, he called it a kabuki western style of acting that uh, is very unique to him that he may one day write a book about. Okay. Well, in this interview, he basically poo-pooed all of that. Yeah, he sure did. He shat on himself. (laughs) And he said that nouveau shamanism was just simply a response to a book that Brian Bates wrote. The way of the actor, the path to knowledge and power. Oh, Hannah's doing the voice. I love it. Keep going. (laughs) And he said that all actors are modern day shamans. And that it's not, that nouveau nouveau shamanic is not overly intellectual. So don't, don't get it twisted. Don't get, don't get it. It's just letting people relate to what's on the screen. Fuck you, dude. Well, do you have what else he said about it? What else did he say? So the part that I overheard that sort of blew my mind was that he said shamans in their day were considered healers. Oh, yeah. And they would heal people by taking them to a different world. And he said, as a performing actor, you know, if I can help people with my performance, that's really what it's all about. And like every performance heals someone in some way. And I was like, what are you, a doctor? Like, no, you're an actor. You, you make millions for, like, churning out garbage films. Like, Yeah, but he's 59 he, now. Like, yeah. you know, he's been through... He, he did it for himself for so long. And now I think he needs... I don't want to mm. say a reason to stay in it. Yeah. But he, I think he he wants to find something more in, in the work that he's doing other than just a paycheck and right. glory. Right. Well, he gave the example of leaving Las Vegas. He was like, if my performance in leaving Las Vegas made some alcoholic better in some way, then 
great. But like, but he's looking at that. He's with looking twenty twenty vision. 2023 looking, but yeah. 2023 vision looking back oh yeah yeah he's well, like that's not yeah. that wasn't his mindset when he made the movie if what what year did that movie come out in 99 94 yeah something yeah like, like he was a total asshole back then <laughs> i mean yeah, yeah he got an academy award and he you know it was like an incredible work that he did and like kudos to him but his motivation for filmmaking back then when he was in his like late 20s is quite different than how it is now that he is approaching 60. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. But you know, you could say that about anybody. Like we're going to be different uh, in our 20s when we one day reach there. Um, we're very, you know. I'm never changing. <laughs> no. I'm I won't grow. Changing. I won't grow, but I also won't get worse. But look, all that to say is that it's sort of you know, rubbed my brain the wrong way when he basically equated himself as a healer. I was like, I don't, I don't know that that's entirely true, Nick. That's where I maybe draw the line, but you know, it's, hey, a, it's a bit much. It's a bit much, but I, I'm not a successful Hollywood actor. No, I'm just a successful Pennsylvania podcaster. And you're a successful surfer, right? A surfer. Yeah. Big time. Always hanging 10. Steve. You guys can't Steve see it right now, but to, I'm doing the hang 10 symbol with both of my hands where my pinky and my thumb are out and I'm shaking them around. Steve loves to rip a wave. I love ripping a wave. I love ripping a current. I love... You know who else does? Ripping open a bottle of beers with my surfer bros. Go ahead. Not Nick Cage. No? He's currently in Perth filming a movie about surfing. Oh, yeah. And I watched a video of him really struggling on that surfboard. Oh, that's what that video was. That was just wave sounds. Okay. Correct. And um, what do you dream of, Steve? I dream of, um, you know, a better world. Uh, I dream of a future for our children. I also dream where all my teeth fall out. Yeah, Nick Cage dreams of giant women in gold bikinis and clowns scaling walls. And with that, let's get into the movie. (laughs) What an ending. All right. My goodness, I thought, ah, maybe I'll improv some little joke here or something. And Nicolas Cage just swoops right in to cut me off at the knees. That's why he's making the big bucks. And we're over here just collecting royalties from his movies. We Oh, by the way, we are not collecting royalties or any amount of money from this podcast. Uh, let's make that clear so that we can continue using the theme song. Okay, moving into the Nicolas Cage movie. We're going to go through Nick Cage scene by Nick Cage scene. However... There are a lot of really quick cuts and quick scenes, and there's a and he's in every scene of this movie. I think as we were go, watching the movie, I was going through, and I think I only counted like two scenes that he's not in. So you didn't seem to struggle taking notes. Well, you seemed fine. You know, I'm really uh, you're a professional. I'm a professional. You know, always sitting in the back row, scribbling away. You were typing away. I was typing. Away. <laughs> How dare you? I think but, the first time that you tried to do that. A nightmare. It was, yeah. Yeah. You were writing in the complete pitch black. I was like, maybe I'll be able to see it with the movie screen. My eyes will adjust. Absolutely not. Do not recommend. Anyway. Dark mode on your phone. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's do this. Let's do this. Um, Maybe one thing before we get like super into the movie, because there was a limited release and it was over Thanksgiving holiday, there were a surprising amount of people in our theater. Uh, Many of them were related, it seems. Yes. Yeah, there was like a big group of like 20 mostly elderly people. They had really strange reactions to things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so 
No, we won't get into that. Okay. Also, the movie theater wouldn't turn the lights out. Oh, yeah. Hannah had to... So I had to like, go outside and ask someone to do it. See, and the switch was just like behind a poster on a wall. Right. Like where you would keep a safe or, <laughs> yeah. you know, hide and poke Something holes Something like a Nancy Drew eyes. movie. Yeah, exactly. Or book. All right. So the movie gets started and it's Nicolas Cage... And he's rocking his male pattern baldness. I think he's got glasses and he's got a big, big luscious beard. Mm-hmm. But he looks like a middle-aged Paul dad, Paul Giamatti type. Bruce yeah. Willis. More Giamatti than Bruce Willis, but uh, that may be because of the prosthetic nose. So he's out back and he's raking leaves and his daughter is sitting at the table. When suddenly things start falling from the sky, some things are falling from the sky... And then everything starts lifting up out of the sky like gravity's reversed. And Nick Cage is just standing there raking leaves, not doing anything. And then we cut to, oh, it was a dream. His daughter was having this crazy dream about it. We find out soon afterwards that he is a professor. He's a biology professor. Um, What type of biology? Evolutionary biology. Okay. He talks a lot about zebras and their ability to camouflage within the herd. Yes. So he's all about things that blend in together, things that you wouldn't pick just one random average zebra out of a herd, would you? That kind of thing. But it's Nicholas Cage with a popular voice, so he wouldn't just pick one thing out of a herd. <laughs> oh my god, Gollum. <laughs> oh yeah, that was a little Gollum. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyhow, we find out pretty early that not only is he a college professor, but he's somewhat of a struggling college professor. He's tenured. But he's struggling to get some notoriety in the sense that he goes and has lunch with a former uh, colleague of his. And he's like, so what's new? And he actually even records the the, the uh, conversation. And uh, she's like, well, I'm writing a paper for Nature, which is a major scientific publication, about evolutionary biology. And he starts getting really defensive. Did you steal my ideas? Those were my ideas. You can't publish on this. That's... You know, why wasn't I consulted? Why aren't I an author if you use this or that? And she's but he's like, also very nervous. Yes. Yeah. He's not, I don't think he's a very confrontational person. So this seemed like it took a lot out of him emotionally. Yeah, definitely. He's, yeah, you're right. He's not a confrontational per- person. He's a nerdy biology professor. He just Zebra wants to, man. Yeah, he just wants to live a quiet, normal life, but... You know, it could always be a little bit better with a little bit of notoriety in, in the workplace for what he's known for. I wrote, Udon is kind of cool in this. Noodles? <laughs> that's that's what it autocorrected to, and I don't know what that is. So we're going to move on. So What were they eating at lunch? No, they, I, don't I don't think, think it was about anything. No, I don't think it was about the noodles. Oh. <laughs> I think something else was kind of cool in this, <laughs> is what I meant to write. I'm stuck on the noodles. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I love an Udon noodle. I do. So Nicolas Cage and his wife uh, then decide to, you know, a normal normal night, have a night out at the theater. They go out and catch a play or a movie or something. It's not really sure. And he runs into an ex-girlfriend of his. And uh, his ex-girlfriend is acting kind of strange. And he's acting kind of strange because he's taken by surprise. And the girlfriend says, I've been dreaming about you a lot lately. And now we're like, oh, shit, that's two. We're off and running. We then quickly uh, cut back to the house where he says something to the effect of to his wife as they're getting ready for bed. He was like, 
Well, I have to go get coffee with her. She's writing an article about me, about how weird her dreams have been. And, and Steve and I are like, no. Why, why would are you, you do that? Why would you get coffee with, with this woman? Yeah, why Why would you? That That makes absolutely no sense. So he goes, he gets coffee with her, and he's like, at the time, kind of expecting her to be hitting on him. And I think he's a little disappointed that he, that she wasn't, that she was just there to oh, get yeah, his she permission is, to write the article exactly. about him. Yeah. She's no like romantic interest in him anymore. Yeah, absolutely. No. And why would she? He's crazy looking. But yeah, we'll discuss that in a minute. But <laughs> so he heads back to school into the classroom and he overhears some students of his having recounting dreams about him. And he's, you know, just kind of shrugs it off you know no big deal and in all these dreams yes. he's very much just a bystander yeah weird, weird shit is happening to the person who is dreaming right whether and gravity's inverting they're being attacked yeah you know they're they're often on violent or something yeah often violent dreams and nick cage is just like walking in the background like a background actor yeah yeah he's just walking through or he's just raking leaves or he's mind is minding his own business so we do get introduced to his boss, uh, I guess, head of biology department, none other than Tim Meadows, who's, you know, he doesn't get a lot to do in this movie, but he's always great. So he heads home after school. His friend calls him out of the blue, who he hasn't spoken to for a while. And his friend says, hey, my wife and some of her friends who have never met you have started having dreams about you. And we're really relating with that article that your ex wrote online he was like, can we talk about this? And Nick Cage immediately passes out and faints in the hallway. Um, and so what does he do now? Well, he calls up his local news station. He's on the news. And now he's suddenly somewhat of a local celebrity for being in everyone's dreams. And nobody really understands why. Yeah, I think at this point, he's like trying to research scientific phenomenons that could explain yeah. why this is happening. And there just seems to be no real explanation. No. And one of the ways he tries to, you know, figure out an explanation is now suddenly his boring class on evolutionary biology is filled to the brim. Everybody like students are in there. They want to talk to him about the dreaming, by the way, when they showed the full classroom, the entire audience in the theater laughed out loud. There, it was like, they, they showed the classroom full for the first time. And <laughs> the audience went, ha, 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 ho, ho, ho. Why? I don't know. It wasn't funny. I didn't laugh. No. <laughs> I think we laughed at the people laughing. Like, why are you laughing? That's not a joke. It's like, oh, yeah, of course that would happen. So, but one of the ways he tries to figure out what's happening with the dreams is now that his classroom's full, he starts asking people, what are you dreaming about? What are you dreaming about? And we get this sort of rapid fire dream montage. And some of them are great. The first is a student is like, I'm wearing a tuxedo and I'm being chased through the woods by a monster. And there's these crazy mushrooms and you're just walking through and looking at the mushrooms. And he's like, okay, that's weird. And then somebody else is another dream. Uh, there's a few others I didn't write down, but there's a really fun quick one where there's a woman sitting on top of a grand piano and there's alligators chomping at her as she's sitting on top of the piano. And he just walks into the room, pokes his head in and walks out. That one was fun. <laughs> but all all these dreams, he's not doing anything. Yeah, that's the recurring theme is that in all of these dreams, he's not helping. He could help in these dreams, but he doesn't. He heads home after school 
And, you know, his daughters are like kind of cool that, hey, my dad's a local celebrity. His wife's like, hey, why don't you pop into my dreams, big boy? Why don't you wear a David, an oversized David Byrne? That's crazy. Uh, suit that I found sort of bizarre and sexy the that one year. Talking heads. From the talking over- heads for Oversized Halloween. suit. And he was like, oh, yeah, kind of sexy. And I wrote down something to the effect of like, I do not like this character being sexy. It's no, really bad. No. It's really bad. So they go to bed. And what happens is, because all these people are having dreams about him where he's not helping them when he should, a crazy person, a man, breaks into their house, goes into their kitchen, grabs a knife, goes into their bedroom. It's still dark, and he very spookily just goes, I need to kill you, Paul. I need to kill you. And Terrifying. Fucking insane like i have been like i yeah every I had last, chills. last few nights when i'm like about to fall asleep i'm like let me just take a look at the door there's nobody standing in the doorway right okay all right now i can fall Whoa, asleep really I, you know it's always in the back of my mind don't I'm put worried. that in my head now i don't know we have security have... but that was part of the point of the of the movie was that they lived an average life in this somewhat small town so they never thought to have like a major security system or a dog or an alarm or a gun or something like that because they're why would they they're they didn't need it until now. Yeah. So I guess it's a suburban university. Uh, yes. Osler. Is that a real university? Uh, I'll look it up. Okay. It is fake. Oh, shit. Okay. So the next series of scenes are, again, somewhat baffling to us as to why this character would do that. I mean, I guess I can understand, but it's also like... It's like a horror movie in the sense where you're looking and you're like, why would you go in the basement? Why would you do that? We know what's going to happen next. And so what happens next is that Nicolas Cage has been talking about writing a book on evolutionary biology for a long time now to try to oh, catch up wait, with his colleagues. We never finished what happened with the man. Oh, well, the man got... Yeah, okay. So the man did not hurt anybody. Sorry. Yeah, I guess I should have clarified. Yeah, cliffhanger. Yeah, the man did not hurt anybody. I guess the police came quickly enough that they were able to get him or they were able to sort of talk him down. The man also looked like he didn't want to... I think he even said that's what he said. He like, said, I don't want to I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to do this, but I have to do this. Um, so Which, were, like, I kind of get. Yeah, I mean, if you're If you're someone, already oh, yeah. a little unstable and you start having reoccurring dreams about someone that you can find the home of like i could see them yeah i mean he's a tenured professor he's been all over the news his address is probably relatively easy to find for somebody with the drive to find it in this universe Mm -hmm. so yeah anyway so he wants to write a book about evolutionary biology and now that he's got some fame and notoriety he thinks he can do that but in order to do that he needs like a publicist and he needs a publisher and he needs like an agent. So he goes to this office to find a person. And uh, we get the one of the greatest scenes. A couple of scenes, but we get one of the greatest scenes. His agent or his prospective agent is portrayed by Michael Sarah as this kind of like young hotshot. Like he's wearing a baseball hat and a hoodie and like jeans. Yeah, like he's it's like, like an startup vibes. Yeah, real startup vibes. And. They're like pitching him ideas. And some of the ideas are amazing. They're like, we could try and get Obama to dream about you. And he's like, well, how would that help? How would that help my book? And they're I'm like, trying to write about evolutionary biology. Okay, well, that would be a pivot. But what if, and hear me out about this, um, Sprite is interested. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, Sprite? And they're like, yeah. So the idea being that we take a bunch of pictures and ads of you holding Sprite 
so that when people dream about you, they're subconsciously thinking about Sprite. about buying and drinking Sprite. <laughs> he was like, "No, like I don't want to do any of that. Of course not." And so it, it was this kind of weird meeting, but we we find out that he's not in his hometown. He must have flown to New York or, or L.A., wherever this is. Um, and so he's on the elevator down with the secretary, not Michael Sarah, not like the other person who's there trying to be his agent, but the secretary who's taking notes. And she goes, hey, I know it's Halloween, and I know you're only in town tonight. You're probably missing your family. I don't even know if she says all this, but she's like, if you want to grab a drink or something, like, I'm around if you want to grab a drink with me. By the way, this secretary, she's like a young, hot 20-something, and yes. he's not. No. And the next scene is him, like, out having drinks at, like, a loud bar with this young, hot secretary. Correct. Then <laughs> the <laughs> she says something. So this is maybe our first scream of the movie, but she says something like, like, oh, you know, I was born in, like, 2000 or something. And he goes, huh, check, please. Yeah, um, that's a good one. Yeah, it's a little bit of a scream. We'll get to, like, the best one later. There's one that's going to clearly win it. But so they're talking, and he goes, so you said that you have dreams about me. And she's like, yeah, it's a little embarrassing, but um, you don't just stand there doing nothing in my dreams. We have insane sex in my dreams she's like <laughs> it starts out spooky at first i think you're an intruder and then you just take the lead and it's like the best sex i've ever had in my life in this dream crazy then fucking cut to he's like in her apartment building and she's like Drunk. letting him she's letting him into his apartment into her apartment they're neither of them are acting terribly drunk no right so yeah. they're like relatively sober. They know what they're doing. Right. And we're just like, again, it's like, what are, what are you doing? Like, why like, are you doing this? Why are you doing You've, this? You're married with children. And you made a and whole you're... thing to your wife earlier about like, huh, could you imagine me cheating? I, I could never cheat on you. No. I'm just such a dweeb. And like, here you are. With this like hot 20 something. 20 something. What are you expecting? What are you expecting? Who wants you to reenact her dream. Where you essentially like are a little forceful with her. That's crazy. It's crazy. So she wants him to reenact the dream and he starts reenacting the dream, but he, he doesn't know the dream. So he kind of ruins it. She's like, stand over there in the corner. And he's like, okay, like over here, like this. And, and she's, she's like, like, no, shut, shut up. Don't, Just don't, don't speak. Yeah. <laughs> You're then, ruining it for me. And she's like, okay, now you like, can what come is over. She, like, so she's just like getting off on this. Yeah, I guess. And she's like, you can stop at whatever time you want. Like, we don't have to have sex. This is just like a huge fantasy of mine. Which. Do you think that she. I have a question. Okay. Do you think that she rallied for her like media company advertising agency to get him so that she could put herself in this compromising position? No, I don't think she did. I don't, her character wasn't portrayed as that sort of like manipulative, manipulative mastermind kind of thing. When, I guess like, when do you think it, like, when do you think she decided to shoot her shot? Oh, in the elevator on the way down. She was like, if you want to grab, like, a, drink oh, you wanna grab a drink, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's when I think she had decided, she I'm going like, to take you know this what? as far I'm as gonna, I can. I'm going to try to reenact this dream tonight. Yeah, exactly. And live out a fantasy. And she's like, you can stop whenever you want. We don't even have to have sex or anything. But to me, if I'm in some, 
young hot secretary's apartment helping her live out a fantasy that involves me that's cheating bro absolutely like like oh no i was just helping her with something no no he's a hundred percent cheating on his wife yeah it's like (laughs) uh, i was just standing there she was doing all the no that's not how that works no well it continues and (laughs) it continues and she's like okay just sit down and she's like you usually take the lead in the dreams but i guess i'm gonna have to take the lead here and as she's like reaching for his belt buckle he goes oh and she's like are you you done are you done and he he like starts crying and like picks up his he's like super embarrassed yeah and runs away and um it's a little he's like crying in his hotel bed yeah yeah it was a little bit annoying we didn't get to hear those screams because there was like some audio playing (laughs) over it yeah but we didn't get to hear the screams but oh my goodness but i i like i had just the worst reaction oh to that. that was so gross it was so uncomfortable was so gross <laughs> so as gross as that was it appears as though people are having very similar situations in their dreams with nicholas cage's character where before he was just standing by doing nothing now he's suddenly the aggressor but not just participating, he's the aggressor in the dreams. Yeah. There was a very almost cagey moment where we see his daughter having a dream about him and he does this like big sort of Muppet-like oh, gangly right. yeah, run yeah, yeah, towards yeah. his daughter like with the big grin on his face that's super, super creepy. Okay, yeah, I was gonna say, oh my God, I remember there was a scene where he like forced his way into one of his students' places, but I think no, that, that was, was a dream, dream where he forced his way into one of the students and he starts attacking her. It's crazy. So cut to the classroom again and... uh now the classroom's empty once again nobody's there because everybody's having violent dreams uh about nicholas cage and his friend who called him earlier when he passed out invited him over for dinner but it wasn't a dinner party it was just the four of them and uh nick awkwardly drinks wine and it's so awkward and it gets really strange because everybody started having really violent dreams about nicholas cage so there's a brief scene with cognitive behavior, behavioral therapy where they're trying to do this group therapy session to reintroduce Nick Cage back into the world. But <laughs> In it like doesn't a quite, gymnasium? Yeah, it doesn't quite go that way. So on his way out of that, he gets back to his car and somebody spray painted the word loser on his car. And people are following him just to like... Record. Keep an eye on see him. See his reaction. And see his reaction. And people start recording and his reaction is not great. He points at the car and he says, Hey, hey, who did this? Tell me now. Stop being little fucking brats and tell me now. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that did not go well. That goes viral. Um, so he has to go on leave for work and uh, Obama and Sprite are not an option anymore. <laughs> he gets a call from Michael Sarah, but Michael Sarah just so good. He's like, that's not really an option anymore. We're going to have to pivot. You're really popular among like the alt-right. We can probably get you on Rogan. <laughs> and they he's like i don't want to do that and he's like and they love you in france they love the violence they they just like (laughs) dig it over there which is really fun so he's sort of ostracized from society to the point where he tries to just go get lunch you know he's he has to take a leave from work and uh, he's just sitting at a diner and the waitress comes over and says excuse me sir people are uncomfortable with you being here you're gonna need to leave and he says well i haven't done anything wrong so if they're uncomfortable, they can leave. Like he was like, it's dreams. Like, what do you want from me? And uh, some big dude comes over to the table. He's like, hey, man, you're making everybody upset. You can't be here. And he's like, I'm not leaving. Next scene, 
his wife's picking him up from the hospital with cuts and bruises all over his face. He's get, he got his ass kicked Man, by this Man, I'm dude. like, I'm starting to feel so bad for him. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Even though he did cheat on his wife. He's yeah, he, still, that's true. He does that's not true. deserve. That's true. <laughs> he does not deserve this. He didn't do anything. Like, that's the worst part of it. And people are being so dumb about it. I know. So then what he does next could be considered maybe not the best move where he, the next time we see him is he's going for a jog. And as he's running down the street, he gets shot in the arm with an arrow. And we're like, oh, holy shit, someone's hunting him. And it turns out it's him hunting him. He's having a violent dream about himself, like being aggressive. Right. So he finally sees what it's like. So it's that whole, it's that thing that Nick was talking about in his interview where he's like, it takes someone who is experienced, who has like a shared experience yeah, to really be able to portray like this type of character and, and to be able to empathize with the audience. And now he's like, it's like so meta. Yeah. It's happening in the movie. Yeah, exactly. So, but then he gets called into his daughter's school and the teacher or the principal says, I'm sorry, Mr. Nicholas Cage's character. Wait. Hold on. It's coming. I know I know what you're okay. thinking of, but it's coming. You're not allowed to come to your daughter's play because it's going to make everybody too upset. And he said, that's crazy. I want to see my daughter in her play. She's been working all year for this. I want to see her. And she's like, I, you just can't come. And he's like, oh, okay. And so then the next time we see him is he's got like a hat and a hoodie on and he tries to just barge in to see his daughter in the play. No, you skipped the computer. No, that's coming up oh, next. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> so he goes to the play and the principal or teacher, what have you from before, tries to shoo him away at the door and there's a struggle and her hand gets caught in the door and like her entire hand breaks. It's bloodied. She's shouting like, oh my God, Nicholas Cage is here. He's here. And her hand's bloodied. And this is happening in real life. Yeah, and, and everyone is panicking. freaking out. The play comes to a grinding halt when his, his daughter's, daughter's on stage. His daughter's like crying on stage. Yeah. So then he goes home. Oh, you know what? I'm sorry. You were right. That does come after, but it doesn't matter. He comes home and he's upset. So he gets on the internet and he makes a video. And the video is an apology video, but he says things like, I haven't actually done anything and um he's like i don't know all the things that you mentioned a second ago which was like aren't i the biggest victim of all of this which he is like yeah oh but it's not an apology you can't go like i'm sorry he shouldn't need to apologize no he shouldn't except for cheating on his wife yeah but but that's a personal matter Right, right like i don't know i i would hope that the rhetoric could have like switched to Hey guys, it's me. I'm just a nice, normal professor. Yeah. Like, I am so sorry that you're having these dreams, but just rest assured, it's not me. It's just my likeness. Right. So can we move on from this? Like, that's what the video should have been. But it wasn't. He broke down crying. He was just like screaming, crying. Screaming, like, Like he's almost blaming other people for their trauma in a (laughs) way. Like, that's how it resonated, at least, right? (sighs) So now he's got And his daughter and his wife are furious about it. Yeah. So he has to stay at Tim Meadows' house in the basement where he can't turn off the lights. And he's miserable. (laughs) And uh, I did get the order wrong. So that's when he then tries to sneak into his daughter's play. And then everything happens in real life where the he like breaks the inadvertently breaks the teacher's hand. 
But so and then, then it cuts to and then it cuts to this like burning picture of Nicolas Cage's character, and they're like, "Whatever happened to Paul Matthews?" No one knows for sure. And I was like, oh, wow. I thought he must have killed himself. And now they made a documentary about it. Yeah, same. But this is the real world and this is America, Jack. They didn't just do that. (laughs) They did enough research on the phenomenon to understand enough about (laughs) dreams science so that now you can hack dreams and influencers can be in people's dreams. This shit was crazy. And it was not a documentary. It was a commercial for this wristband you can wear to only willingly enter other people's dreams who wear the wristband. So you can influence other people who have the wristband on. Yes. And the influencers are super chill about it. You know, look, we're just going to pop in, tell you to buy new shoes or whatever. Then we're popping out of your dreams. (laughs) And I'm like, oh my God, of course they would. Of course they fucking would. So I'm surprised that it was none of like his students. That had Maybe it was, and I just didn't notice. They all had like weird piercings and things. Yeah, and... okay. Very distinctive looking, yeah. and they weren't the students. Yeah. 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 So we next see Nicolas Cage. He's not dead, but he's alive and well, no, yeah. but not so well. Not well. Because it appears as though he and his wife either have gotten a divorce or, or are getting a divorce. He's not, he's got a new apartment. His kids aren't really, you know, they're, they're not great with them. him. Yeah. Things, things didn't go great. So he writes a book uh, before then. Okay. So, so he drops his kids off with his wife and uh, he starts asking his wife, like, are have you had any dreams about me? And she's like, no. And he's like, oh, okay. And he goes back and um, he's just walking through his new apartment and somebody's standing in the corner and we're like, oh shit, it's happening again. And the guy in the corner is like, Hey, Paul, how you doing? Try out these new, like, vitamin supplements. They're great for you. And it's like, oh, he's having an influencer dream. But the reason he's doing that is so that he can reverse engineer it and infiltrate his wife's dreams so that he can try and get her back. Does he know that she's wearing the bracelet? I don't. She can't be. I don't think so, because it was part of it was like he was looking up sort of like almost dark web type websites to try to hack the system of the dream bracelet that you have to wear in order to willingly be in someone's dream so he was like watching these videos like hey guys today i'm going to show you how to reverse the osmosis or something of the dream bracelet so he was watching that then the next few scenes is as you mentioned um he's in france with michael Sarah, his agent he wrote (laughs) a book he wrote a book and he's it's gonna not do, the evolutionary biology book. He's going to do a big book signing. He picks up the book and it's in French. And the French translates to... Uh, his book is called... <laughs> in French, his book is called I Am Your Nightmare. And he goes, oh, I, I wanted to name a dream scenario. And so he has some success with writing his book. Although his book is like very short. They pick it up and they're like, well, that's it's not a very big book. <laughs> he does like a book signing in this basement of yeah. a bookstore yeah and then it fades to the very last scene of the movie which is he's wearing a giant david byrne talking head suit and he finally infiltrates his wife's dream where she's being burned at the stake and he rescues her her. and they float up into the air and they kind of just look at each other lovingly and hopefully they get back together but i don't know if they will i don't know if he deserves it. it oh my god i didn't think it was gonna be a sad movie 
Yeah, it was it was pretty sad. It was um, so sad. You definitely feel for so the character. Bad for, yeah, yeah, because he he. But it but it is interesting. So to the points he's that we were talking about earlier, innocent. Right, he's not innocent, but also it is very similar. Like someone wanted to make somewhat of a weird movie about what it's like for an average person to go viral and suddenly become famous, and maybe some of the the trials and tribulations that come with that. I think that's the second time I use that phrase today, but. Anyhow, that's the movie. That was a lot. Apologies if I rambled through it. There were a lot of notes and I kind of, you know, didn't quite... Yeah, we pieced uh, it together. Yeah, we pieced it together. Um, I know there was definitely a scene I skipped that we're going to have to talk about when we talk about some of the Nick Cage Awards. So let's jump into that. Uh, Han, who was the best supporting actor? You got Tim Meadows... You got Michael Sarah. Yeah, he was great. Michael Sarah is great. I All mean, right. he was basically being himself, but That's the wife fine. was pretty good. I forget the yeah, actress's she's name. Julian something. Yeah, the girl who played the secretary or whatever. Was she was good too. Great. Yeah, I'll give it Michael Sarah. Michael Sarah, classic. Best dressed. So he, probably he... the David Byrne suit. Oh yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Because he still has his signature hair. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he looks the same. He's just wearing a giant David Byrne suit. Uh, worst Nick Cage scene. I mean, I want to just give it to the scene that made us uncomfortable. The, the sex scene. The quote-unquote sex scene. The dream yeah. scene. Oh, the dream scene? The, where it's in the dream or him reenacting the dream? Him reenacting. Him reenacting the dream. That was it wasn't the worst scene. No, I mean, he was good in it. Yeah, but... so was she. Yeah. Uh, you can give her dream the worst scene because we have to watch him simulate sex with like a 20 year old. It's true. I'll give it that. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) What was the best Nicolas Cage scene in your opinion? Probably the computer where he does the apology video that doesn't resonate. I mean, he's putting it all in from an action perspective. That's what he was saying is Hold on, let me look at the phrase that he used again. No acting, please. Uh, no acting, please. <laughs> that was his motivation for that. Oh my god. <laughs> no, I mean, great. Like it, it oh, was. It was, it was it, great performance. I, I, I just, you just feel so bad for this character. Yeah, and you know what? Something that I'm thinking about now too is that usually, at least most of the Nicolas Cage movies that we've seen in the past, where he does a voice. If he has a really dramatic scene, the oh, voice cringy. is like in and out. Yeah. Like, like he drops oh, no, the he, accent. He keeps it. But he keeps it throughout, which so I think is a, a credit to him in this movie. Or I, I guess just cringy in general. Like I, I would think that on paper that that scene seems like something that you and I would probably laugh at. Oh, but, totally. But we didn't laugh. We no. We were like, oh we were my God. Yeah. I am, I'm very upset about this right now. Right. Right. So great, great work, Nick. Yeah. So the next award is one that I said I definitely missed a scene because it's the best Nicolas Cage scream. So obviously there was the one where he sees his car. <laughs> yeah. But there was another one where I missed and I didn't pay it off from before. He discovers some way, like in the first third of the movie, after maybe the first act or so, that his former colleague did in fact steal all of his ideas and is getting a ton of accolades for this paper that she wrote. Uh, on evolutionary biology. And so when he sees the award, he screams, fuck, 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 like five times. So it's either that or the you little brats 
we we do fuck 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 a lot on this podcast that is true (laughs) careful now there are quotes around those words (laughs) so i guess for that reason just to diversify our assets a little Mm -hmm. bit yes please i'll give it to the loser scream yes yeah when he sees that his car has been painted loser yeah and do we even do a nouveau schematic I mean, moment I don't anymore? even know if, if it's I just something believe... he saw in the back of a, you know, Wheaties box. Well, but at this point, it's something that he feels like is his duty to save the world. <laughs> so what <laughs> what scene do you think he is most saviory in? Jesus. Um I don't I don't know. I don't know if I want to change this award at this point. No. But no. Let's but, keep it as is. Keep it as the original definition as what we know it to be. Which I mean, is yeah, whatever's like the most cagey moment yeah, of the it's movie the or of the pre or post production. Yeah, there's nothing really cagey in No, pre or I mean post. some t- but we've given it to like his look before. Yeah, for yeah, example, for sure. Or his voice. Or like a, for example. Or a choice he made. Yeah. Um no, I won't give it to his voice either. The Muppet-like run? The, probably the Muppet run or... Maybe like the check, please. Oh, yeah, that scene at the bar where he's like really awkward. No, I'll give it Muppet run. The Muppet run. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah. feels quintessentially him. It does. That is very cagey. <laughs> All right, Han. Where are you ranking this one? I have a feeling you seem to resonate with this movie, I think, a little bit more than I did. Yeah. And so I have a feeling it's going towards the top. But Where was Adaptation? Adaptation is very close to the top. Adaptation is number nine. Okay. What is number, like, 12? 12 is Mandy. Ooh. Mandy's good. Mandy's really good. 13? Pig. No. 14. Kick-ass. Okay. I'll put it there. Wow. You heard it here, folks. That this is It's been a while since we've had a big one at the top. Something crack the top 20. Yeah. I mean, well, actually, that's not entirely true. We have uh, Unbearable Weight at number six. We have Renfield, oh, Renfield at number yeah. eight. And we have Pig at number 13. And, Pig is so good. And now Dream Scenario at 14. So I mean, he's, he's fantastic. I, I would put those two movies together. <laughs> what pig and dream scenario yeah 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 i think you know maybe to his credit in that interview if you ignore the really bullshit terrible westerns that he did (laughs) and if you ignore the retirement plan um he's doing things that are personal and they're good movies yeah i mean pig unbearable weight you know dream scenario these are all great movies um but you have to ignore a lot of nonsense to get <laughs> to yeah these. and yeah. what i assume is going to be nonsense in this like surfing movie yeah that he's filming and in australia yeah so i actually have that there is a movie that's in post-production that's supposed to come out in 2024 called the arcadian or arcadian oh. where he has to protect his twin boys in a house at the end of the world in the end of the world it's knowing it is knowing it is the humanity bureau it is post apocalyptic he's got to protect his boys at the end of the world it's the color out of space this is so goofy yeah a little bit of color out of space color out of space was pretty good but god humanity bureau i think about that movie way too much <laughs> the one where the boy speaks the 
Declaration of Independence. Um, okay. I, so. Is that the last of the year? That's what Have I was going to say. Have we wrapped the year? I think we've wrapped the year, Han. He's got what no other, other movies. What other movies has, has he done this year? Let's let's recap. I know we said a few. Yeah, absolutely. So Can you do a control F on 2023? <laughs> I can. I can order them by, by what order they came out. So in 2023, we had The Old Way. No. Renfield. Yes. The Flash. No. Sympathy for the Devil. Yes. Dream Scenario. Yes. The Retirement Plan. But Maybe. we also watched Butcher's Crossing this year no. because it came out in 2022. That's a no for me. And we played Dead by Daylight. That was another no from Hannah. So more no's than yeses, I think, on the No, year. I think they were pretty even. A little split? A little column A. A little mm. column B. Oh, yeah, don't say. Well, Han, I think that's going to do it for me. Any closing thoughts before we drift off to sleep tonight? No, what a a dream this year has been. Great movies. Yeah. I hope everyone has a happy holiday season. Yeah, happy holidays, everybody. And uh, we may also miss Nicolas Cage's birthday, which is in early January. So happy birthday, Nick, if we don't talk to you until then. I hope that we are the first people to wish you a happy birthday, Nick. Yeah. I think we might be. We're two months early. (laughs) Two months early. Get it in now. Gosh. And with that, just remember, we'll always be here for you through Nick and Thin. Love it. Thanks for listening, everybody. Take care and happy holidays. Jingle, jingle. (laughs) I'm leaving that in. (laughs) 